the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When American Christians hear the word church, the first thing that usually comes to our mind is the building. Or sometimes we'll think in terms of an organization. But in the Bible, when we hear the word church, it's never talking about a building or an organization. It's talking about the gathering of true believers. Do you ever hear something or read something and it's repeated over and over and over again from different people in different formats and said in different ways? Well, what we just heard from Pastor Leighton Sheely is one of those things for me. And I always say, Lord, are you trying to communicate something special to me? <laughs> I think so. I'll listen. You've got my attention. I'm all ears. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse, and I hope we have your ears today. As Pastor Layton talks about family matters, and specifically those things that God is trying to communicate to us, which are important. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. Thanks for joining us. The values of this world are contrary to God's values. There is continual pressure to conform to the beliefs and the values of this world. And a church is an important antidote to those pressures and a stable foundation to keep us from drifting. It's one of the many benefits that comes from being an integrated part of a local Christ-centered Bible teaching church and attending regularly. Hebrews 10.25 says you should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing. But you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day coming. And so when we gather together, we encourage each other. We encourage each other to seek God, to seek God's guidance His word, to be obedient to God. We encourage each other. It's important. In fact, one of the pastors that spoke to us at one of our men's conferences was observing it in his church. And so he decided he'd do an informal study. And he, so he asked the congregation a few weeks in a row, he says, now we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to do follow on to our sermon last week. How many were here last week? And sure enough, only about a third to a half of the hands went up on a regular basis. And he determined that really only a third to a half of the church was showing up on any given Sunday. Easter is the day when everybody shows up. And uh, so the scriptures tell us that it's important that we meet at, at church meetings. Now, the first time that the word church is mentioned in the New Testament is here in Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
Now, the rock upon which the church of Jesus Christ is built is the revelation and declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Some people have been told that it's Peter. It's not Peter. It is the revelation, God revealing, and the declaration, expressing affirmation, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when people see this and acknowledge Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, they are instantaneously ushered into Christ's church. Now, you notice that one of the purposes of the church, as Christ described it here, is to prevail against the gates of hell. To prevail, to overcome the gates of hell. Gates are defensive. No one has ever been chased by a gate. The gates of hell are defensive. And Jesus said that his church would attack and prevail, overcome the gates of hell. Hell is like a a fortress prison that imprisons people. And what we're to do is we're to open those gates. We're to break through those gates and bring light and freedom to those who are imprisoned. We are engaged in a spiritual war. And it's important that we are fully equipped and fully engaged and work together as the church. What is the church? Wayne Grudem in his excellent systematic theology defines the church as the community of all true believers for all time. This definition understands the church to be made up of all who are truly saved. Paul says... Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, Ephesians 5.25. Now here the term the church is used to apply to all those whom Christ died to redeem, all those who were saved by the death of Christ. But that must include all true believers for all time, both believers in the, Old Testament, in the New Testament age and believers in the Old Testament age as well. So great is God's plan for the church that he has exalted Christ to a position of highest authority for the sake of the church. Ephesians 1, and 23 says, He's put all things under His feet and has made Him the head over all things for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. So Jesus Christ Himself builds His church by drawing people to Himself. He said, I will build my church. Acts is careful to record in 247 that the growth of the church didn't come by mere human effort alone, but that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, it's Jesus who builds His church. That's why we should never say, look at the church that so-and-so built. Because if that's the church that so-and-so built, it's not the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. So it's appropriate for us to say then, look at the church that Christ has built. Now, God uses this process by which Christ builds His church is a continuation of the process that was established by God in the Old Testament when He called people to be a worshiping assembly before Him. When Moses tells the people that the Lord has said to him in Deuteronomy 4.10, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live upon the earth... The Septuagint, which was a translation from the original language into Greek 200 years before Christ, translated the word for gather with a cognate of the Greek term ecclesia, which is the term that's found in the New Testament translated church. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen spoke of the people of Israel in the wilderness as the church in the wilderness. 
Hebrews quotes Christ in 2.12 as saying, In the midst of the church, I will sing praise to you. And he was quoting from Psalm 22. So the usage of the term church throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament indicates that it includes all believers from both Old Testament times as well as New. Now that might bring up the question, well, how did the Old Testament uh, believers know about Jesus Christ? Um, they didn't know him by name because he hadn't been born yet. We have the opportunity to know him by name. But by faith, they believed that God was going to provide salvation. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, which is in the New Testament, we oftentimes refer to that chapter as the believer's hall of faith or hall of fame. Guess who's listed? Old Testament believers. Because they believed that salvation came from God. Now, when American Christians hear the word church, the first thing that usually comes to our mind is the building. Well, there's a church at whatever it is. Or sometimes we'll think in terms of an organization. But in the Bible, when we hear the word church, it's never talking about a building or an organization. It's talking about the gathering of true believers. Now, in this sense, then, the real church, the true church, is invisible because we can't look into people's hearts. We don't know what their hearts are really like. But God knows what their heart is really like. God knows who are, who are His. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.19, The Lord knows those who are His. So theologians have come up with descriptive words and definitions about the church. And the invisible church is the church that God sees, because He sees what's invisible. And the visible church is what we see. And the visible church necessarily and always includes some unbelievers. And it has from the very beginning. Paul speaks of Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth and upsetting the faith of some in 2 Timothy. And he says of Demas, who is in love with this present world, he's deserted me and he's gone to Thessalonica. They were from the very beginning. Paul warns the Ephesian elders that after his departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, from among you, will arise men speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Jesus himself warned, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. And so the visible church has always had this issue. And Augustine once said, many sheep are without, they're outside of the church, and many wolves are within. Now, because some of us have experienced some wolves, we might be overly suspicious. But what we need to do is treat those who, who express a confession of faith, have an example in their life, partake of the sacraments, and be charitable towards them unless there is a pattern of rebellion and sin, continuous sin, that basically undermines their credibility. Now, in the New Testament, the word church can be applied to different sizes of groups. For instance, it's used to describe the church that meets in so-and-so's house. It can be used to describe the believers in a given city, like the believers in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. Um, it can talk about the region like Asia Minor, or it can talk about the church that constitutes all true believers from every continent in every century in all ages. Now, the scriptures use several metaphors to describe the church. For instance, it's described as branches on a vine in John 15, an olive tree in Romans 11, a field of crops, 1 Corinthians 3, a building and a harvest, a new temple, not built with literal stones, but 
living stones upon which the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. It's a new te- described as a new temple, a new group of priests, a, a, a holy priesthood that can offer sacrifices acceptable to God. We're described as being God's house in Hebrews 3, 6, and Jesus himself is the builder in 3, 3. But there are four metaphors I'd like to highlight for us today that describe the church. And the first one is that the church is a fellowship. And the church is described as a fellowship in Acts 2, verse 42. Chapter 2, verse 42. Remember that it's in chapter 2 that the church is first inaugurated by the work of the Holy Spirit. The church is a fellowship. Acts 2.42 says, They continued steadily learning the teaching of the apostles and joined in the fellowship. Now the top priorities for fellowship are unity and harmony. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And this feels like a very important message to hear, especially at this very unique time in our church life. For more information about how worship and ministry is taking place right now at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, go to their website at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. This is a daily outreach from Church of the Highlands. I hope you can join us tomorrow when we'll come back with more from this message series called Family Matters. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and join us when we return to study verse by verse.